going to minister to us. Thank you. Last night as I listened, I dreamed came to me. I dreamed about the end of time and about eternity. I saw a million sinners fall on their faces to pray. Sadly, shook his head, and this I heard him say, Sinner, I never knew you, depart from me. I must stand the trial I told the Lord Sure I have been religious all the while But through the books He then did look And he sadly shook his head He placed me over on the left And this is what my great surprise I saw my wife my babies then I knew I had a dream then down beside my bed I knelt and to the Lord to Oh, 
summer comes that calls me Got up Sunday morning, went to the church at ten. I listened to the words that I heard time and again. The preacher spoke of sinful lives, so I knew he talked of mine. But I was young. You see, I have plenty of time. I walked on down life's pathway, living as I wish to live. I should beat the other fellow, I should get what life could give. Making money, oh, it's not simple. Having fun, sure it's not a crime. So I'll just wait. You know, I've plenty of time. Plenty of time to decide Eternal darkness is it to the heavenly ground. I'm just a young man, not even in my prime. So I'll just wait. I've plenty of time before. I knew what happened, life seems had passed away, and millions stand before God's throne, oh it is the judgment day, opportunity gone forever, as days are left behind. Hadn't I plenty of time? Eternity comes, friend, there is no more time just to think of all those days that Christ could have been thine. Opportunity gone forever as days you'll leave behind. And there you'll be. And there is no more time. But hadn't you thought? Plenty of time to decide where I'm bound. Is it to eternal darkness and hell? Is it to the heavenly ground? Ah, you think you're just that young person. 
First days will always be mine. So you just wait. You say you're plenty Eternity comes Friend, there is no more time Just to think Of all these days That Christ could have been thine Opportunity gone forever Minister, for his kindness, first of all, of the invitation to come and share, especially at the time of the opening of this new church. I'd also like to thank the elders and the committee for their kindness, the gracious manner in which I was received. I pray that the Lord indeed will bless the congregation here. I pray that the Spirit of God will indeed stir the hearts of God's people and indeed speak to the hearts of many who are still without the Lord Jesus Christ. Do pray for us this afternoon as we would travel down to uh, convoy for service uh, this evening and pray that the Lord's hand will be upon us for good as we just travel along the road. Let's open our Bibles together in the book of Proverbs, first of all, chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. I'll read, few, read a few verses here and then we're going to read just a, a verse in Proverbs 29. So that is Proverbs chapter 1. And we commence reading at uh, verse number 24. Proverbs 1, verse 24. Because I have called and ye have refused, I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded. But ye had set at naught all my counsel and would none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity and I will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation, your destruction cometh as a whirlwind. When distress and anguish cometh upon you, then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would none of my counsel, they despised all my reproof. Therefore, therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from fear of evil. And then Proverbs chapter 29, and the verse number one. He that being often reproved, hardeneth his neck, shall suddenly be destroyed 
and that without remedy. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank thee for thy precious word. We thank thee for the privilege that thou hast given us of preaching the gospel in this place. We thank thee for a preaching house that's open. And Lord, thy word to be proclaimed. We thank thee for a sure word because it's thy precious word. And thy word is truth. And thy word is forever settled in heaven. And I pray that, O God, that as I just seek this day to expound the scriptures, Lord, I pray that thou will give me help. Blessed Spirit of God, so fill me this day that I might know a double portion of thy spirit, that this day that I'll speak simply for thee, Lord, to the glory of thy name, and that thou will prosper it in the salvation of souls. We pray this in Jesus' precious name, for Jesus' sake. Amen. I remember when I went to Macrofelt some 50 years ago, I met an elderly lady there, and uh, her teeth were loose. They were always just falling down and clicking together like that. But I always remember she said to this to me. She used to say, young man, don't forget the Proverbs. Don't forget the Proverbs. And friend, the book of Proverbs is a very interesting book because it is a book of wise counsel. They're little pithy statements. But you could take every single one of those Proverbs and remember with those little pithy statements, there is profound truth, of course. It is the Word of God. And when it comes to eternal things, where can we get a word that we can rest upon? Nowhere but the Word of God. Because God's Word is truth. It's pure wisdom. And God's wisdom is spoken here. And in this book of Proverbs, we have just wisdom from God that is recorded in this book of Proverbs. Now, the basic uh, reasons and purposes of the book of Proverbs is to teach and to train. You'll find that in actual fact, quite often, you'll find these words, my son, my son, over and over again. You'll find it in the chapter, chapter number one. You'll find it is, my son, my son, my son. And what it is this, it's a father with a burden. A father has a desire to bring truth to his son. A father has a a loving heart, and he seeks to warn his son. And you'll find quite often he's warning them against the enticements of the world. In other words, the sins of the flesh. And he tells them the result of his sin. But the sad reality The word of God says in the book of Proverbs, but the fool passes on and are punished. You see, they won't listen. They don't want to hear because somehow they feel that this instruction that comes from God, that it's not for me, it's for somebody else. And yet, my friend, this book is is filled with wisdom. In actual fact, it says, wisdom crieth. There's the cry of wisdom to your heart on this final service in this meeting. And what has wisdom got to say to you? Well, I want to leave the verse 1 of chapter 29 with you. And this is what wisdom says. He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed, and that 
without remedy. Now notice the very first word, he. It's not they, it's he. He that being often reproved. You know, in the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ, you'll find that quite often the multitudes gathered around the Lord Jesus Christ to hear the Lord Jesus Christ. But the Lord knew what was in their hearts. That's your fact, one time he said to the multitude, the Bible tells us that the multitude left the Lord Jesus Christ and he was left just with the disciples. And he turned to the disciples and he said this, will ye also go away? Because it says from that time, many of them went back and walked with him no more. But you see, friend, when it comes to the gospel, and whilst I stand in this pulpit and I preach to this congregation, I, it is my earnest prayer that the Spirit of God will do something else. That the Spirit of God will take the word that has been preached today and apply it not to a congregation of people, but to individual people in this congregation. Everyone is an individual because it's a message from God for you. You see, we're not saved in crowds. Salvation is a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And maybe you're here today and you've got a saved mother, or you've a saved father, or you've got a saved wife, or you've got a saved husband. But I want to tell you, my friend, their salvation will not stand you instead when it comes to the day when God shall require your soul to go out into God's eternity because your relationship with God is a personal thing. So the salvation of your mother won't get you into heaven. You need to be born again. That's what Jesus said to Nicodemus. He said, Nicodemus, marvel not that I said unto thee. Yes, Nicodemus, I'm talking to you. Because Nicodemus was surprised when the Lord Jesus Christ talked to him about the new birth because Nicodemus was a religious man. He was a man that paid tithes into the temple. He was a person who was actually one of the Sanhedrin. He was a man that in actual fact prayed and he did all of the religious things that were possible of that day to do. And Jesus said to him, marvel not that I said unto thee, Nicodemus, I'm talking to you. You must be born again. And friend, there's no use you sitting in this congregation today and say, listen, well, this is for somebody else. For it is my earnest prayer that God will apply it to you as if there was not one other person in this meeting. And that's what the Spirit of God does, friend. The Spirit of God takes individuals and takes them away from the crowd. And it seems to be on many occasions, as the Spirit of God applies the word to the individual heart, he said, he's talking to me. No, friend, I'm not. But God's talking to thee. And you ought to be very thankful if he is. Amen. Because I want to warn you. He won't always. It says in the book of Genesis, chapter 6 and verse 3, My spirit shall not always strive with man. Now it is true that God's Spirit speaks and God's Spirit strives with men and women just like you and me and young people. I was eight years of age when the Spirit of God challenged my heart and I saw before God that I was a sinner, that I needed the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. And thank God he brought me savingly and lovingly and tenderly to Jesus and I was gloriously saved. But my salvation didn't save the rest of the family. 
It's a personal thing. Do you remember the Lord Jesus Christ said this, what shall it profit a man? He didn't say, what shall it profit men? It comes down to the individual. And I pray the Spirit of God will apply his word to the individuals of this meeting. And if you know not the Lord Jesus Christ, it is my earnest prayer, friend, that God will apply this word to your heart. What shall it profit a man? If he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul, for what can a man, a man, give in exchange for his soul? And the answer is nothing. And there's nothing that the world has got to offer you, friend, or that the world will give you that's worth your losing your soul and going to hell for all eternity for. There's not a pleasure of this world. There's not a sin in this world that the devil will paint with all the lovely baubles and tinsels and tell you that's for you. And my, you, if you were to have that, you would really enjoy it. And you, that, that's the life for you. But remember what Jesus said concerning the devil. The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, to destroy. Jesus says, I am come. That's him, the Lord Jesus. He says, I am come that ye might have life. And that you might have it more abundantly. In the first chapter of the book of John's Gospel, do you remember down there at the pool of Bethesda? And the Bible tells us there was a great multitude of people there, uh, of impotent folk, of blind and halt and withered and lame. My, they were, they were waiting for the moving of the waters. And there was a wee man that he was there at that pool for so many years. And my, whenever the water was stirred, the first person to get into the water was healed. Now, we man tried so often to get there, but he couldn't make it. He couldn't. He couldn't make it. And then Jesus stopped with that man that day. There were a multitude of people there, but Jesus came for him. And thank God that day he was healed. And Jesus said unto him, he said, take up your bed and walk. You don't need the pool. Because you see, had the Lord Jesus Christ have put the man down in the pool, the glory would have gone to the waters in the pool. But my, it was Jesus that was doing the healing. Not the pool, not the water. Never you're here today and you say to me, well, preacher, I was baptized, you know, as a child. So what? So was I. I didn't know, but it made me wetter, but it didn't make me any better. Didn't change my heart. I know there are those who are told at their baptism, and they're carried into church, and they're told at their baptism, that in your baptism, you are made a child of God, an heir of the kingdom, and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I have to tell you, friend, it's not true. It is not true. And I don't care whether it's a bishop's hand that's upon your head whenever it's told. I'm not care who the preacher is. I don't care what way a scholar's turned around. Whenever the word of God tells me there's only one way to heaven and it's not baptism, it's Jesus Christ, the Son of God, then I listen to him rather than man. Because he's the final say. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and throughout this whole mission. That's what I've been telling men and women. The church doesn't save you. Your baptism doesn't save you. Your confirmation doesn't save you. Your church connections don't save you. The preacher doesn't save you. But praise God, Jesus saves.
Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. The Lord Jesus Christ came for that man at the pool that day. Thank God he was healed. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ, do you remember he came to a graveyard one day and Lazarus was in the tomb. Now, there were many others that were also buried in that place, but the Lord Jesus came. He said, show me where, where he is. And they took him to the tomb of Lazarus and Jesus stood at the door of the tomb and Jesus cried these words, Lazarus, come forth. You see, if Jesus hadn't said Lazarus, the graveyard would have come forth. But they didn't. Because Jesus said, Lazarus. Do you remember the Lord Jesus Christ was going through the city of Jericho? He was coming out the other side. The Bible says there was a crowd of people around the Lord Jesus Christ. And now the throngs were following the Lord Jesus. He was on his last journey. The people didn't realize it. Jesus would never cross that way again. He would never pass that pathway again. He was on his way to the cross. He was there to shed his precious blood upon the cross of Calvary and die for sinners just like you and me. And as the Lord Jesus Christ was walking there and he came under a tree, Jesus Christ stopped and he looked up and he said, Zacchaeus, come down. Never mentioned anybody else with me. But one man. And friend, let me tell you, you see in this mission, the Spirit of God is passing this way. God is passing this way. And God's moving in this place through this gospel mission. And I want to tell you this, just as there in Jericho, the Savior never passed that way again. And maybe there's someone in this gathering today, and you don't realize it, friend. This is your only opportunity. This is the last opportunity that you'll ever be given of God to get right with God. God says, my spirit shall not always strive with man. Jesus deals with the individual. Do you remember Pilate? Do you remember Pilate was standing in front of the crowd? The Lord Jesus Christ was before him. He had a burden in his heart. What was he going to do with Jesus? The people were crying out. They were begging for the blood of Jesus Christ because the chief priests and the elders of people had stirred up the people against the Lord Jesus Christ. And they were crying, crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate said, what shall I do with Jesus? Then he decided, listen, I, I, I love her. I love her, Jesus, or, or Barabbas. Barabbas was a murderer. A leader of insurrection of that day. He was a person... It was a despicable character. And here was the perfect, pure son of God. And here was sinful Barabbas. And he said, listen, whither of the twain will ye that I release unto you? And the crowd shouted, Barabbas. Give us Barabbas! And Pilate's heart was breaking now because he knew in his heart that Christ was the sinless one. He knew there was no fault. He had searched the Lord Jesus. He had examined the Lord Jesus. In actual fact, his wife came to him and said to him, Have thou nothing to do with that just man? 
I have suffered many things in a dream because of him. And Pilate looked at the crowd and he said this. You want me to give Barabbas? But what shall I do then with Jesus? Notice what he didn't say. Ah, yes, whither of the twain will ye? That's first of all. But now he said, what shall I do? What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? And friend, that's the solemn reality of this mission. Because you're not faced with McRae. You're faced with Jesus. And what you will do with him. Some of you remember Emma Munn. A godly woman, she was a missionary. The Munn family, they went, there was many of the family went to the mission field to serve the Lord. And remember Emma, when it was coming near the end of the journey, she started to tell me, she told me her testimony. She said, I was sitting in a meeting one night and she said, the preacher was preaching on that text. What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? And he looked down in the congregation. He looked straight into my eyes and he said this, young woman, young woman, what will you do with Jesus, which is called Christ? You will do something with Jesus. And you will do something tonight. You will accept or you will reject. But you will do something. Tonight. Thank God she, was, she came to Christ and was gloriously and wonderfully saved. But friend, listen. You will do something with Jesus today. Do you realize that? You will accept him or you will reject him, but you will do something. You see, when you come into a gospel meeting, friend, listen, things change from that moment because it's, you can't say, I don't know anymore. You can't say, I've never heard my need of Jesus. And Pilate was confronted with Christ. And whilst he was looking at the crowd and he was begging them to give him the answer, the answer was, the question was answered in his heart. What shall I do? You know what he did? It says, after he, Pilate, had stretched Jesus, he, Pilate, delivered him. That was his decision. And friend, on this mission, this final meeting, this Sunday afternoon, you have a decision to make concerning Jesus. Jesus Christ. The one who said, I am come that ye might have life. The one who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. The one who said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. You've got to make a decision. You don't have to shut it. But you'll answer it. In your heart. Is. Listen, he, but look again, 
he that being often reproved. You see, what does that mean, preacher? You see, you're just like me. A few years ago, we stepped onto the stage of time. And I don't know how long it'll be that God will take me from this in the time and call me into God's eternity. You see, you're on a journey just like me. You're headed to eternity there. Just like me. And one day, maybe this day, thy soul shall be required of thee. And God will take you away from the scene of time. But it's not over. After this. After this. Old Dr. Bob Jones told the story of two young lads during the American Civil War. They were sitting around a campfire the night before the battle was about to begin. They had been through many a conflict up to that time, but these lads as were sitting there. One of the lads was sitting, and he was very quiet. His mate said to him, Bud, are you afraid? Now we have faced many a battle before, lad. Come on. Surely you're not afraid. Are you afraid to die? Bud looked at him with tears in his cheeks. He said, no, I'm not afraid to die. But it's what comes after. After this. Have you ever thought of it? You're going to meet the God who made you, friend. The one who gave you the breath. The one who gave you life. The one who breathed into man and he became a living soul. That very God is going to stop that heartbeat and you'll breathe that last breath on earth and immediately into God's eternity. To meet him. What an awesome meeting. What if God tells me in the book of Revelation that there were mighty men, there were kings, there were all of these great men of society. And whenever they realized the day of God's wrath was come, it said they cried on the rocks and the hills, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth upon the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. But they couldn't hide, be hid. And neither were you. There is no hiding place when God calls you to come. There is no escape, my dear unconverted person, whenever God calls you to come to stand before him. And I saw the dead and small and great stand before God and the books were open. But the Bible says, often reproved. What's God doing? 
God is today putting an, up, uh, an obstacle in your path. Lest you die in your sin and go to hell. God in love and mercy and in grace. God's calling you to himself. God's reproving you concerning your sin. And of his righteousness. And of judgment to come. God's saying, stop, sinner. You don't need to die in your sin. You don't need to go to hell. You don't need to perish. God has provided in his son the remedy for sin. God has provided in Christ and in his precious blood salvation from sin. You don't need to go to hell. God's reproving you. He does it in many ways. You sometimes God has to speak through sickness. And many a man has been put on the broad of his back and it's not until he's looking at the ceiling, friend, and he's not able to get off his back and he realizes just, you know, I'm just mortal after all. And I can tell you the best of us can be knocked off our feet very quickly. We take the blessings of God, don't we, for granted. Every morning we get up. Every morning, yes, we can wash ourselves and dress ourselves and go down and sit at the table and have our breakfast and go out perhaps to do our work, whatever it is. And we have done it up every day until someday comes, friend, and you put your hand and you seek to pull the blankets back, but your feet's not going to the floor. There's something wrong. I visited a wee man in the hospital just on Wednesday. He says, you know, from the waist down, he says, just, I can't move anymore. I've been doing it for 90 years. But I can't do it now. Friend, listen. In a moment of time, life can change. One visit to the doctor can make all the difference, doesn't it? And he looks into your eye and he says, I'm sorry. There's nothing I can do. And maybe you walked in cheerful, chirpy, and glad. But just one little visit. makes all the difference. Have you ever thought about it, friend? One visit from God will make the difference. For all eternity. Often reproved. We read in Proverbs chapter 1, God says, I've stretched out my hand. 
In other words, I've offered mercy. The nail-printed hand of the Lord Jesus Christ has offered salvation to sinners. And time after time, it says, often reproved. How many times, perhaps you're sitting in this meeting, have some of you heard the gospel? How many times, how many times has the preacher to tell you the urgency of the hour? How many times has he got to tell you your sin will take you to hell? Often reproved, but notice the next words. Hardeneth his neck. Remember a young doctor saying to me, the first operation that he ever performed when a person died, it really, it really touched him. He could hardly get over it. And he, he went back to his bedroom that night and he lay in the bed and he wondered, could I have done something more? Could I have done something more? And I struggled with the thoughts of, oh, perhaps because that young person had died and he felt so guilty, thinking there was something more that he could have done. But you see, after a few operations, it's not the same anymore. Yes, he fights for life. But if they die, there's nothing more he can do. And maybe there's somebody here today, and you remember, the first time you came into a gospel meeting, friend, and you were faced with your sin and the challenge of the gospel and the challenge of Jesus Christ, and your heart was stirred. And maybe even like Felix, you sat in the meetings and you trembled. But you walked out. And maybe for years you've walked in and you've walked out. But it's not the same anymore. You're able to do that without a tear now. You're able to do that without a tremor. You see, what's happened, preacher? I'll tell you. It's in the book. You have hardened your neck. You have hardened your neck against the call of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, you have stubbornly resisted all that God has got to say, all the pleadings of the Spirit of God, all the stirrings of the Spirit of God in your soul, and you have you've resisted it. You've, Maybe you say to yourself, some other day, some other time, some other mission. And here you are, years later, another mission. Last day. But you're not saved. He that being often reproved, hardened his neck. Listen to this shall suddenly be destroyed. Friend, I want to warn you today, God will not always call, and God will not always speak. Proverbs chapter 1, 
Then shall they call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. You see, the tables are turning. God says, I have called, but ye have refused. I have stretched out my hand, but no man wanted it. In other words, they're pushing away. I don't want it. don't want your salvation. Now, but there'll come a day that you'll beg for it, but it's too late. Suddenly destroyed. What an awful thing. Too late. Then shall they call upon me. God says, I'm not answer. In Noah's day, they stood at the ark. They hammered on the door of the ark. They begged Noah to open that door. Let us in, let us in, Noah. 120 years he preached. But they wouldn't listen. They laughed at him. They mocked him. They thought he was a fool. Standing there preaching. There was a day of judgment coming. That God was going to send rain from heaven. We have never seen it before. And so therefore. It would never happen. And then God said Noah. Seven days. Just seven days. Imagine hearing, you have only seven days. And Noah begged them to come in. But they wouldn't come. And then God says, Noah, come in. Come in to me, Noah. And Noah walked in, friend, into that ark with his wife and his family. Then something happened as Noah passed in. The door began to close. Listen to me carefully. God shut to the door. Noah didn't. But God did. My spirit shall not always strive with man. And quite often in meetings like this, the old devil says to sinners, listen, listen, I know you need to be saved. I know you need to be ready. But not yet. You don't need to rush it. People came and they knocked on the door and said, Noah, open unto us. But Noah couldn't. Because God closed it. Suddenly, be destroyed. And then the last words of the verse. And that 
without remedy. There's no going back, friend. No going back. You know, when God said in Proverbs chapter 1, then shall they call and I not answer. They'll seek me, but they'll not find me. Did you read the solemn verse there in Proverbs 1? I will laugh at your calamity. And I will mock when your fear comes. Think of that, friend. Down the corridors of hell and the blackness and darkness of a lost eternity. Men and women that have laughed at the things of God and mocked the things of God and sneered the things of God. Down the corridors of the damned there comes the laughter of a holy and a righteous God. Then shall I laugh, says God. I laugh at your calamity. And I'll mock. Yes, the tables are turned. Have you ever heard the old proverb, he who laughs last, laughs longest. I want to tell you, sinner, remember God's the last laugh. I laugh, says God. And God says, I'll mock. When your fear comes, what an awful hell. What an awful place of torment. Of the damned. And if you die in your sin, friend, that's where you'll be. But you'll not say, McCray came for two weeks to our church and carried off God. And he wasted his time because he never told us we needed to be saved. You'll not be able to say it, friend. And God forbid that that day comes when you stand before God without Christ because remember this, this mission will come up again. For this mission is recorded for eternity. And when you stand before God as a Christless, lost, damned soul, you remember carried off. And the mission here. Son, remember. With this I close. I have an elder in my congregation who was a police officer. I remember the night he got saved, I led him to the Lord. From that time, God really used him. Didn't matter who the officer was, didn't matter how high they were in the ranks. 
If sense of the opportunity, he would faithfully tell them and warn them of their need of Jesus. His workmates, he would often tell them of their need of Christ. One day he was standing at the barrier of the station. And as he was finished, just one of the, some of the young policemen were going off duty. One of the young men that he had witnessed to, for the Lord many occasions, Cecil was lifting, standing there at the barrier as the officer on duty. Young man pulled up in the car and he screwed down the window and he said to him, or shouted him, Hi, Cecil. <laughs> if there's a hell, I'll see you there. And laughed. He was the big fella. Mocked God's child. This is true, friend. That lad went home. He got out of his car. He sat down and had his meal. He got on his gear for the bike, motorbike. He started up, revved her for an evening of pleasure. He went down the dual carriageway and the vehicle just crossed his path and he went underneath it. And he was dead. Less than two hours before that, the last words he said was this, Hi, Cecil. If there's a hell, I'll meet you there. Ha, ha. Before two hours, a right friend, he was in it. Don't mock God. Don't play the fool. I beg you in God's name, don't listen to the lies of the devil. There's plenty of time. Some other day, some other mission, some other meeting, some other preacher. God says, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And friend, God's offer of salvation is for you today. May God give you grace to claim it. And God give you grace to come. And if we never meet again, the side of eternity, may I meet you around the Savior's throne. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank thee for thy word today and we pray that by thy Holy Spirit that thou would challenge men and women their need of Jesus. You said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, O blessed Savior. Realize that our God, that you desire not the death of the wicked. You're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance and live. And today, there are men and women, young people in this meeting that are without you. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, don't let them leave without you today. Oh, my God, as they go to turn away and walk away from thee, Parricade their pathway with conviction. 
Oh, God, speak to them. Spirit of God, call them effectually today and save them. As our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, the meeting's over in a moment. But I wonder in this final service of this mission, and the voice of God is calling, friend, be in time. Even sin, you longer wait. You may find no open gate, and your cry will be too late. Be in time. If there's one in the service, man, woman, boy, girl, dear sinner, without Jesus Christ or backslider who have wandered away from him, listen, the invitation has come. Come to Jesus. Jesus says, him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Will you? What shall I do then with Jesus? Ask that in your heart, friend. But you've got to answer it. You will reject Or you will accept. But you will do something. Tonight. And if there's a man, a woman, boy, a girl, and you say, Preacher, point me to Christ. Brother McLaughlin. Brother Greenfield. Lead me to Jesus. I want to be saved. I want to be restored. As every head is bowed and eyes are closed, would you just lift that hand toward heaven, friend? Indicate that desire. Lead me to Christ. O Lamb of God, I come. Tell the Lord you're coming today. And come. And welcome to Jesus. Heavenly Father, write thy word in hearts. Save the lost. In Jesus' name. Amen. Dear anxious soul, don't leave without the Lord. Brother McLaughlin and Brother Greenfield are here. They'd gladly open the word of God and I'll have to slip on, but I beg you, do not leave without Jesus Christ. There's little booklets there, a new beginning. It simply will show you not only coming to Christ, but how to grow in grace in Christ. And I trust and pray that you'll speak to them. Get it settled. And may the Lord watch between me and thee until we meet again. If it's not here, be sure. It's at Jesus' feet. God bless you. May the Lord save you.